In 2020, four friends decided to listen to every one of the greatest 500 albums as decided by Rolling Stone magazine. This resulted in a text chain that celebrated the music, excoriated the order, and led us to making this podcast. We are far from experts, and we promise to do almost no research. All opinions are our own unless you disagree. Please sit back and enjoy. Beck did it better. This is Revolver, and our friends are all aboard. With many more of them <laughs> right next door. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, but you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Beck did it better. What is up, everybody? This is Beck Did It Better, the podcast about the Rolling Stone. By the way, saying Rolling Stone and not Rolling Stones when you're talking about the magazine is almost impossible. The Rolling Stone, you'll hear me really think about it. The Rolling Stone top greatest 500 albums of all time. We're all the way up to Trace, number three. One thing we've learned is that Rob has a real struggle with plurals versus singular. This is a, there must be a name for this condition, Rob. Uh, yes, it's called not being very smart. It's a problem I have, but it's not fair that they named the magazine Rolling Stone and the band Rolling Stones. I like, I like that you imagine the same people named them both. As a, yeah. Well, you know, the Rolling Stone namers out there. Yeah. And I'm then sorry. I've, I'm in a band called the Rolling Stone and that it's, it just confuses. <laughs> That's really me. Have you guys run into any issue where you explain to your friends what you're doing and no. the quest you're on with listening to all these albums and had anyone say, I didn't know the Rolling Stones had 500 no. albums? Yeah. Yes. That has happened oh, for yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. They're like, oh, wow. You really love the Rolling Stones. Well, you and you like, all the bootlegs and the live recordings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then I try to explain that it's, it's Rolling Stone magazine, but I don't even know if magazines even exist anymore. So what are you supposed to say? The Rolling Stone website page? What do you do? Uh, I, Russ, I would never talk to somebody I respect about this podcast in a million years. <laughs> this is going to be, nobody's going to listen to it because all of us don't want to promote it at all. We like doing it. We don't keep actually like quiet, having other people listen to it. Shove it down. <laughs> Just keep that in there. Just put a lid on it. Good God, Russell. You're not talking about this on dates, are you? <laughs> I may or may oh. not have mentioned it tonight and got a, a strange look like I had. Yeah. They had no idea what I was talking about. It was it was pretty appalling. That's why I record on Friday nights. Russell's out telling Get his dates that he's doing a podcast. Cross them off the list. <laughs> I did purchase a special edition Rolling Stone magazine about Prince recently. They're still out there. I bought it from my grocery store news. I, I can't be the only one who still knows it's a magazine. Yeah, they still sell porno magazines in those uh in those newspaper things down in the subway. They do. I'm always tempted to buy one. Oh yeah, I'm always tempted to buy one. And just be like, okay, I guess I'm looking at porn on the subway. I don't know. Like, they sell them down there, so it must be fair game, right? Like, you got to be mean, able to look at them. You got American dollars. They got porn for you. But I don't want to be judged on the type of magazine. I mean, if you think about it, like every time you click on a category on a website, like if that was a magazine you had to give somebody money for and they gave it to you, people would be judging you like crazy. You guys don't act like you don't know about categories on websites. You fuckers. You put me down. I think people will be more embarrassed when they are seen actually downloading this podcast. <laughs> yes. People are getting it off the dark web. Our numbers are going to be terrible because they're getting it off from the dark web. 
Matt would much rather have people know the freaky things he's looking at on YouPorn <laughs> than than the fact that he's actually do- recording and downloading this podcast. That's true. <laughs> That's true. No. I need a new bike, and Rosie is my guy. He's my bike guy, and you know. So before we hit record, um, you know, we're talking bikes, and now I'm just I'm, I'm all over the place. So I gotta get I gotta get refocused. I need to find a new bike, though. We're bringing back. We will not talk about bikes on this podcast, or we might. Yeah, I don't know. We've got the, the chain of lakes around here, which is great to ride around. But then you see people that are just flying by you, and then you're flying. I mean, I, I just, I, I have no idea. It's like, oh, it's wow. like I'm going with a, a, a catcher's mitt to go play goalie and <laughs> hockey. I have no idea what's going on. So I think that I'm just trying to figure right. it out. I just don't want to be, <laughs> just don't want to be embarrassed out there when I've got my tight pants on. you got to get helmet, your lycra so. on, yeah. I mean, I think a, a catcher's mitt would be the best option for hockey, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. So, all right. Well, I digress. As the song says we got off track. Or we followed the theme song and we got <laughs> totally. off track. We did it. Right. Success. Listen, we're we're going we're going actually we're we're following forward. We're going to four months forward in time from Pet Sounds, an episode which we did and definitely finished. Uh, and we are on to the 1966 album Revolver uh, by the by the uh, I almost said Beach Boys again, but it is the Beatles. So, but before we get into that, let's go rolling going. How's it going, everybody? Matt, we heard a little bit about your bike uh, saga. What else? How's it rolling going? It's By going the way, good. great title. I, whoever came up with that title, I think they did a great job. Good Just job. rolls off the tongue, as always. Big time. I mean, it's catching. It's a new thing. <laughs> that that was the only thing my date enjoyed tonight, Rob, when I told her about every single segment of the podcast. She really enjoyed rolling going. She thought that was very going. clever. A very clever way to introduce how people are doing. All right. Well, I have just sent an email to my lawyer. I did just divorce my wife. I'm ready to date online. <laughs> if that's what women are into, I am set. That was quick. Yeah. I did, she quick. did listen to the last episode. We were talking a lot about wife swaps, more than I remember talking about at the time. She was like, oh, I like that episode. So, guys, things might be getting freaky over at the Rob household. Yeah. Is this a take my wife, please joke? Yeah. So Matt, you were saying something about wife swaps. What were you talking about? Yeah, no, yeah, no, uh, no, rolling gone. Hashtag rolling gone. It's, uh, it's going well, having a great time, um, going through this list. It's, it's crazy. I think to kind of, you know, I'm, I'm up on the list a little bit and it's crazy to kind of get, towards the you know in the hundreds 200s and you know we're jumping way ahead but i think it's it's what to look forward to on this you know it's not just everything you know it's finding new new yep. albums in there and stuff so that's what I, that's what's rolling going for me right now is finding new albums up on the list matt if you were going to recommend an album maybe 150 in or something like that what's an album that's jumped out to you that you would recommend that our listeners need to check out that you were new um, to arcade fire had an album that came out in the mid 2000s it wasn't on the original rolling stone list um and then when they had the update in 2012 it, it was like one i don't know what it was 151 maybe something like that and it's just phenomenal canadian band so arcade fire check them out good yeah. choice man check them out aaron rolling rolling going uh Question it's mark. going uh, i'm rolling going okay i have so uh, i have a positive rolling going which is that i learned the new trick for slicing cherry tomatoes on youtube and so I was able to put some cherry tomatoes in my dinner. And your YouTube history is fucking wild, dude. Yeah. It just is. Did you use a, use a knife or no, what you, was the, yeah. what was the, the kettlebell? <laughs> I wish this. <laughs> like every time he jumped up from his yeah. burpees, he sliced it with a Ginsu or what's the trick? The trick, the trick? I is from Kenji. Uh, you, you put uh, your cherry tomatoes in the in a plastic lid 
Uh, so you take a plastic lid and you oh. turn it so that like the lip is up kind of so like they hold the cherry tomatoes and then you put another plastic lid on top and then you slide your knife in between the two plastic lids and it slices the tomatoes. It's very cool. I would have just I would have just eaten the tomatoes once I opened the lid. They wouldn't have made it to this whole slicing deal. Have, is is cutting a cherry tomato hard? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Is yeah. it something that needed? Yeah. Needed man, it, YouTube. This saved me twenty five to thirty seconds for sure because I would have cut each of them individually. This way, I cut like twelve to fifteen cherry tomatoes at once. Oh, you put all of them between uh, the lids and cut them at yeah. once. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, you're okay. terrible. Don't start a YouTube channel yourself. I didn't understand that at yeah. all. I thought you were doing them one at a time. Yeah. With yeah. all that extra time, I got to do another listen of, uh, <laughs> of She Said, She Said, and I have a lot of thrilling things to say about it. I'll tell you, the first side of this album is 18 minutes long. You can you can save actually quite a bit of time by just listening <laughs> to the Beatles, I think. Just listen. To, yeah. I do. I don't want to step on Russell's territory, but I have a, I have, I do need a bit of advice myself. Oh, I had, bring it. You want to sit in the corner? Maybe. Here? I mean, I don't want to get into Russell's corner. I don't know. If I'm, I don't know if I belong there. You're welcome. I, You're always welcome. I, I think I you get, 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 get to the corner. <laughs> it's time for Russell's Aaron. advice corner. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. I was not trying to jump on Russell's bit. Or his no the, the the corner the water is fine in the corner sometimes there and sometimes it gets a little there bit hot over here but you, you should come join my me. My thing that happened to me that I need some advice on is that I had to deal with people's feelings at work today. Oh, and, quit and uh, quit your job. <laughs> if if we're talking about feelings on this podcast, I am pumped. I've got better things to do in life. Hey, he's in the corner. He's in the corner. He's in the corner. So we need to yell advice at him. I'm not trying to get into the particulars because obviously when we hit it big, whoever this person is, is going to listen right. to this podcast, but um, it's not important what I do for a job, but I mostly work with data. And uh, so I'm just not really interested in dealing with people's feelings at work. Also my <laughs> job is just something I do. So like, um, you know, sit here drink and, and hang out to be drink and hang out with you guys. You can afford, you can afford <laughs> you, you porn premium. Right. But uh, I mean, what's your approach when, when like someone unexpectedly has emotions about a thing at, at your job? How much, how much time and effort do you give that versus just saying like, well, this is my job. I'm going to move on to something else. I think it's a two-step process. The first is you listen, you be there, mm-hmm. you listen to what they have to say and you're empathetic. And then you way overshare about things in your life. So they will never, ever talk to you again. <laughs> It's an, it's an easy two-step process. You're nice, empathetic. You're there for them as a friend. And then you yeah. give them every deep, dark secret you've ever had in your life, and you will never deal with I, it. I got it. It's, 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 two, it's two steps for me, just like Russell. Is it something that you can control, or is it something you can't control? Is it that your husband is not watching the kids as much as you want, or your wife, you know? Or is it that you've got cancer? You know, like something you can control versus something you can't control. And if it's something you control, well, then buck up and I'll listen to you and we'll move on. But if it's, you know, something that can't control, yeah, I mean, cripes, you, you hang out with these people for eight, ten hours a day, five days a week. I mean, sometimes you got to you gotta just uh, be an ear to, to listen to. So, Well, if you've got wow. cancer and you work with Matt, don't go to him. He is not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's excellent advice. Thank you, guys. I'm glad to hear about it. Russell gave some good advice. I didn't hear, I didn't listen to the first part, but the second part was really good. So I think that was. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. Time's up. Get out of the corner. That was Russell's advice corner. Oh, yeah. Shit.
I don't know. Something about I wasn't paying attention or something. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that is that's bad. I mean, I think it depends how close you work with this person, right? Like I have right. somebody I work with every day. We we teach the same classes, and they went through kind of a traumatic life thing, and I had to. I shouldn't say had to. I stood up and I gave him a hug, even though I was like, okay, here we go, fifty percent chance I get fired. But I, you know, what can you do? But if it's somebody who like you don't have to directly interact with. Oh man. Once they single you out as somebody they can complain to, they're going to do that every day, Aaron. So I, maybe I, just like I messed up my description of my cherry tomato cutting technique. I don't think I was clear enough. These were feelings about a thing that happened at work. These were a, this was a work related thing where a person had feelings about the thing that happened at work, which I just personally can't get my head oh. around. Like it's, and I you're not there. You're not I mean, their would, boss, would, right? Right. Yeah, I'm not. No. Yeah, I would goodbye. never talk to a coworker about something that happened at work. I would absolutely say, "Hey, I do not want to talk about that report that we yeah. have to work on together." And I don't care if you're sad about it. You know, go back to home. Go back to your, your cube. Yeah, I mean, I would never talk to a coworker about work things. Never. No. Uh, Russ, rolling, going. How's it going? I've kind of had a rough day today. I got woken up a little bit early, and. So I woke up about 7 a.m. to this horrendous sound. And it sounded like a lawnmower or a snowblower. It turns out it was a chainsaw at 7 a.m. Oh, my a. God. So rude. Time those city workers start. They got to get going. A neighbor of mine was having a tree cut down in their front yard. Oh. And the guys who were taking the tree down were literally out there revving up chainsaws at 7 in the oh. morning. You, you could have probably heard this from five blocks oh, that's away. That's the legal time it starts. Oh. That's garbage. And Yep. And I'm I'm super interested to hear what you guys think about this because I've had this type of thing happen in recent years where the neighbors blowing snow at 4 a.m. or they're they're mowing their lawn at 7:30 in the morning, and now I get I get you need to use a snowblower super early to get your car in and out. I feel like that's an acceptable thing, but a lawnmower, a chainsaw, that's a bunch of bullshit. You shut that <laughs> yeah. shit off. Yes, agree. And so I'm curious what. First of all, what do you guys think is the acceptable time to start yard work that is going to wake up neighbors? Nine. And second of all, how should I have handled this situation? Ooh, this is I. The correct answer is is later. An hour later is always better. So nine to ten, whatever. It should be later. I think nine is the earliest. The way you handle this situation, if you're me, is you do absolutely nothing. Maybe you send a text to some friends complaining about it. Uh, I had a coworker at work that I had, I went to and tried to complain to, and they told me to shut the hell up. They didn't want to talk to me about it. So that was bad. Was it a private company or was it the city or who, who was cutting the tree? I don't know, Matt. I didn't go out and get their credentials or ask if they were bonded or anything like that. I was I was busy fuming in my own house. Okay, Russ, you be you. I, did, I'll I be didn't your, go. I didn't I'll go discuss the their qualifications. The neighbors hired a company to do it. Go ahead. Hey guys, <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> turn it down, please. Turn it down. I'm trying to listen to this amazing podcast, Russell. We're cutting down, down a tree. <laughs> Excuse me. It's a little early to be How cutting down this, this tree. The paper comes at six. I'm 39. I'm a millennial. Yeah. I'm a millennial, and it is too early to be cutting down this tree. Could you could you delay the tree cutting Russ for an is hour? doubling down in the millennial card. You've got women coming in and out of your driveway all night long, and it keeps us up. Yeah. From your bumble. We're sick of it. Yeah. We're cutting down this tree. 
That's the way it is. I mean, what are they going to say? Oh, okay, sorry, we'll put the chainsaw away, please. Although you would be a neighborhood hero, you know, if everybody saw you out there. But there's only so many trees in the neighborhood, so it can only happen so many times. No, but it's not just the trees, Matt. It's not just the trees. You shouldn't be mowing your lawn at seven thirty in the morning, and no. I have neighbors yeah, who do not. that. That's no. terrible. And so I figured there's kind of three ways to go about this. All I'm right. curious. Rob kind of mentioned one of them. So the first one. Do you is need I some advice? Are you looking for some advice? I would love advice. I love advice from you guys. I love going to the corner. Aaron was in there earlier. You know, again, I was just about to get to the corner. It's time for Russell's Advice Corner. Oh, yeah. This is the part where Russell asks us questions, and then we actually don't give him any advice. He just does whatever he wants, and he gives, tells us the best advice. I don't give a rip about Aaron's coworkers' feelings, but damn it, the listeners of this podcast care about my feelings right now. They want to hear about how Russell feels. Aaron didn't want to tell you, but he does work at a tree-cutting place, so this is part of the problem. This is where the, is where the story really gets thick. Yeah. So I figured there's kind of three ways you can handle this, right? The first is, and I'll go through all three of them and see what you guys think. The first is, you go out there and politely ask them if they could wait a little bit, but they're out there. They're ready to work. Right. They're not going to wait for that, right? And plus, what are you going to do? Go back in and sleep yeah, for half hour? I'd be so, yeah. I'd be so charged after getting in even a conversation with my neighbors. I'd be like, oh, can't do anything. The second option is you go out there and just throw a legit tantrum. You say, "What the hell? Yep. This is way too early for this." You you show your displeasure, and then you go back inside. Yep, you carrying it up. I like that. Yeah. The third, and I think the most Minnesotan way to handle it, is just go completely passive aggressive mm -hmm. and to ignore it, but get your revenge later. So <laughs> you go out and you mow the lawn at like six in the morning the next day, or you go and you make it way worse than whatever they did. You crank up Beck Did It Better podcast and the biggest speakers you got in the neighborhood at like 5 a.m. So I think I think my way to handle it is ignore it and then just get revenge down the so road. Molotov cocktail is also an option. <laughs> I think it's a combination of the Beatles and uh, Will Ferrell in, in uh, that basketball movie. You know, all you need is love and everybody love everybody. And just let it roll off your back and go, man. It's Life's too short to get angry about all this stuff. Wow. Did we just double up on Russell's vice corner and Matt is very smart? Did we just have a double? Wow. No. <laughs> that was Matt's smart comment of the week. Ooh, that's some smart shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they sound very similar when I play them very close to each other. Like, honestly, sure. honestly you, you, you get up a couple times early, whatever, right? If you're trying to tit for tat back and forth, you're just going to be even more mad, and it's just going to keep snowballing and snowballing until you're just into a whole rage, and then you're mad at your neighbor, and then you can't even, like, you can't even like go down the road and say hi anymore because you're flipping each other off. But you got to live next to each other for however long you're going to live there. So this sounds like a man who's been listening to "Love Me Too" and "Within You Without You" on repeat. Like I, I like the <laughs> I like where you're <laughs> taking your your inspiration from. Life goes on within you yeah, and without I like you. Russell, I'm more. I've been listening to a lot of tax man. I think you're getting screwed over. <laughs> you need to call at the very least, call the police. But I will say, get on like next door. Get on Facebook. Get on your neighborhood Facebook page and uh, just be like, Hey, does anybody know who is making all that yeah, noise? Right. For, the, for the record, Russell, I know the city you live in, and I used to work for that city. And 7 a.m. is the uh, is the time that that that's, it's uh, the noise violation goes away. So. 
Jesus. Well, no wonder Matt's telling me to let it roll off his, <laughs> his shoulders. He was one of the he yeah. was one of the assholes that I had to admit it. I this. had to admit it. I had to come clean and, and tell you. Yep, been there many times. I kind of wish I would have. I kind of wish I would have listened to Matt's advice earlier this morning because I went out and poisoned the rest of their trees just as, as my way of getting back at them. And now I feel really bad about it. And I know the last time someone admitted to poisoning trees on the radio, they got in a lot of yeah. trouble for it. So maybe we can edit this out. Ron. No, I can't. I'm much too busy. I like the idea of Russell going around with a big bucket on it that says tree poison. His neighbor looks out like, what are you doing? Oh, huh? Got a big skull and crossbone. What's that? Yeah. Uh, just, uh, just washing my windows. <laughs> just enjoying this Beatles soundtrack here. We've talked about this a little bit with the Beatles. What's, what's your experience specifically with this, with this album? Russ, what's your experience with this, with revolver, the album? I would say my experience is similar to Sgt. Pepper's, which we talked about a, a week or so ago. I Again, I know the Beatles hits, but I've never really listened to this album. The one thing I did differently leading up to this, before we talked about this album, was I listened to all the Beatles albums in a row. Yep. Just to kind of give myself a feel for how they progress and how their music was a little bit different when they first burst onto the scene as opposed to this point and then how they took it further. So I don't really have any meaningful history with this album. I did watch a, a cool documentary. I forgot the name of it, name of it offhand, but it was essentially about the, the songwriting partnership between Paul and John and how, how that kind of progressed over time and how eventually John kind of essentially, it sounds like kind of gave up and Paul kind of took the reins of the band, but I don't really have any meaningful history with this album. I Great. think you can hear the point on like there's a point on Sergeant Pepper where you can hear John give up I think but that's we should maybe should have talked about Sergeant Pepper. Oh well we'll talk we'll edit it in. Matt, what do you think? <laughs> What's your history with Revolver? I know you're a big Beatles guy. You know, honestly I never listened to it and I think it's strictly due to the the cover art. If you look oh. at Holy shit, me too, man. Whoa. The cover art is Whoa. Do we just totally totally stole my line? <laughs> yes, we became, you totally stole my line. The, the cover art is whack. If you look at the four I was like, who are these four guys on the cover? It's like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah, so you, and you at, wonder if they were like this cover sucks. Let, we got to get a better one for Sgt. Pepper's. I mean, were, so if you go look at all of the other ones, you know, and I think the first album I listened to was the White Album I found. It. You know, you look at at Sgt. Pepper which is just killing you with color and different people and i know there's people on this one but i look at you know the 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 art drawings of the of the four guys and it's just like uh what is this thing i'm not i just i think i was totally drawn off by the cover art and so i never gave it a chance it was like the last album i yeah. ever listened to and so i mean even to this day it's kind of like eh. and i think it all comes down to the cover art for me which strangely i believe the cover art won a grammy for the best cover did it really Yes. God damn, Russell. And we so may smart. or may not be discussing this later on once we get through this album. <laughs> wow. Amazing. That makes me think we are going to be discussing it. Uh, it seems like foreshadowing. Uh, Aaron, what's your history with Revolver? <laughs> yeah, I similar to Matt. I went through, as I've said before, I had a big Beatles phase uh, in my teens, but the albums that I played a lot and that I owned and that I bought on CD were Rubber Soul, the White Album, Sgt. Pepper, and uh, Magical Mystery Tour. I and at, at the time, I thought it was because I was really concerned with being different, weird. So I, I, I got really into Magic Mystery Tour, Blue Jay Way, and some of those tunes on there, um, which I don't listen to anymore. And Revolver never hit for me. I just never got into it. I, it, I don't think I listened to it start to finish until this quest. Do you think Aaron has to do with this guitar sound? 
where they really have yeah, cranked up the trouble on this? Because you've mentioned before you don't like that grating song. guitar, <laughs> but they've basically yeah. taken away all the bass out of the guitars and made them into these real jangly, jangly guitars. You're totally right, man. I hate it. So smart. And, uh, God damn, it's smart. Yeah, it's super smart, Rob. You're, you're, you're right on. Uh, the songs that I love on this album are um, For No One. I've always loved For No One. And um, I'm Only Sleeping I really like, although that has some jangle to it, too. Uh, so those I really know well, but I never got into the album. And so I thought it was because I was trying to be like a smart, artsy kid. And then, um, like Matt, I realized I think I just couldn't get into the cover art to get the album chance. That's that makes me realize how attractive you were in high school, Aaron. The fact that you were trying intentionally to be weird. <laughs> all I wanted to do is to fit in and sit at the popular kid table for lunch. It's all I wanted. But Aaron is so good looking. He's like, man, I'm weird now. I'm weird. I don't listen to Revolver. I'm a weird kid. Uh, <laughs> I will say this. This is another one for so me. Many where, better ways to be weird than to not listen to Revolver. <laughs> I made some poor choices at the time. Rob, let's hear about your experience. I, I, this, this is a Beatles album I've never really heard before. I mean, I know some of the songs off of it, obviously, uh, like Taxman, Eleanor Rigby, of course, I know, but it, it it's kind of weird to hear this all put in an album where like every song sounds kind of like Taxman, you know, and Eleanor Rigby is really kind of the odd one out in this whole album. But I, I have to say, I, I did enjoy listening to this album. I probably, I don't want to spoil things, but I did enjoy it more than I, than listening to Pet Sounds. And I even had a member of my family say, oh, thank God you're done with Beach Boys. But the problem was that some of those songs were stuck in their head. Whereas I don't think, are these songs that get stuck in your head? Nope. I, I mean, I, I, it's just, they, they, seem, they seem a little on the harsh right. side to me. Yeah, they're very harsh. The sound is harsh. There's some ugly sounds on this album. And I think they might have been going for that. But yeah, there's some ugly sounds. Yeah. One of the best ways to look at these albums, we've, we've talked about the Grammys in the past. I want to talk today about the best-selling albums of each year, okay, leading up to it. In 1960, the best-sounding album was The Sound of Music. 1961, it was Camelot. 1962, 63, it was the West Side Story soundtrack. Two years running. Two years in a row. 64, it's Hello, Dolly. So it's another show. 65, it's a soundtrack actually from Mary Poppins. So we start to get actual movie soundtrack. Rob, I'm actually a big fan of 1966 music, and I know the answer to 1966. You Can I mind if I take a ch- chance at this Lay one? Lay it on me, Russ. I believe it was Herb Albert and the Tijuana Brass with whipped cream and other delights. Oh, correct? Yeah, it, it is correct. I don't want to pick on you, but it is Herb Alpert. Oh. It's not Albert. <laughs> it's with a P somehow. So, so did he get it right or did he get it wrong? It's Herp. It's two Ps. There's Herp Alpert. <laughs> we'll let it go. We'll let it pass. Impressive. Russell. I don't, I don't Impressive. really know. I don't really know the rest of the sixties. I was more focused on that one year. So yeah. you keep going. Around. I would Russell's love to focus on the whip cream and other delights. Guys, we might have to do a Patreon episode where people pay us to listen to it. And we talk about Herp Alpert and the <laughs> whip cream delight. I, it's going to be so Herb, good. Herb Alpert's. So it's not Herb Alpert. And the two, don't make me do it. I can't do it. Herb Alpert's who sampled page is just like a murderer's rope. He did the baseline for Hypnotize by Biggie. I mean, it was his own song, and then Biggie sampled it. St- someone stop me right now. Aaron, sure? we got a lot of emails about your claim that someone sampled Herb Albert. Well, if we could take Rosie. Could you discuss, yeah. could you discuss whether Herb Albert was sampled Albert. by a tribe called Quest? Because I, I got a ton of emails about whether this was factually correct Twitter or not. Page was and I was hoping up. you could just address this issue with our listeners now. I would like to issue a formal apology uh in the pet signs episode i claimed that tribe called quest had sampled herb albert and i spent enough time on who sampled.com to 
think that I might have been wrong about that claim, but I will say that Biggie and other hip hop greats sampled her about Rob, our, our I, Twitter uh, page, our Twitter page was blown up, right? What's our Twitter page again? If, if uh, anyone felt offended, I'm sorry. And at, I'll try to do better in the future. Our Twitter is at, uh, Donald J. Trump, real Donald J. Trump. That's our Twitter. Check it out. We've got some pretty good views, I think. I think a lot of people see how smart and cool we are. Uh, no, I probably should set up a Twitter and a Gmail. I should probably get Beck did it better before this gets out and gets big and somebody squats on it. We have to pay him a lot of money. Right. Well, Rosie, your request to apologize is officially denied by the head of the podcast. Oh. This will be edited out. This podcast has a strict no apologies, no asking for forgiveness. Okay. Yep, and if I say something offensive, I edit it out. But that is not true for other people on the podcast. Uh, Sixty. You guys certainly have not. You certainly have not apologized for the horrible advice you guys have been giving me over the last few weeks, Russell. Just because you're podcasting with us on a Friday night, that doesn't mean necessarily our podcast is giving you bad advice. <laughs> We're intentionally sabotaging Russell's dating life, so he has to be here with us. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I don't like this. I don't like how this is going. So 67, the monkeys have the best. And, but this is the point, right? Is that we got start to get the Beatles and, and everything around 66, 67. I mean, obviously, they were they were big before that. But all of a sudden, the best-selling albums after this, the monkeys. And then think about this. 68 is Jimi Hendrix, Are You Experienced? And then 69 is Iron Butterfly, Into Gata Davida. So all of a sudden wow. we go from like soundtrack, soundtrack, Broadway show, Broadway show to, to everyone is listening to rock and roll. Everyone's listening to music and the Beatles revolver really, really is what I think started this whole thing. Uh, so this album spent seven weeks at up at number one, uh, really is, is totally hit after hit. So they came in, the Beatles came into this. They had been together t- since 1962. You, you have to understand they've been spending about 95% of their waking hours together. Right, because they've been making albums, they've been touring, they've been going crazy. All of a sudden, they had a, another movie they were going to make, and right before this album, they the movie got canceled. They they didn't like the stri- script, so all of a sudden, they had three months to do whatever they wanted, which they which they haven't had since '62. So they all get onto their own thing, which, from what I can tell, is mostly taking LSD is how they filled that time, and <laughs> pretty much drugs, um, right? Is taking is doing drugs, but but they they also got into some of these other things, which you see more kind of. Uh, realize itself with Sergeant Pepper. But like you said, this is the really when they get to sit down and they say, okay, here's a bunch of songs we want to make and we want to go nutty with the recording, right? We want to just turn how we record an album on its head. And they had been listening to um a little bit of pet sounds kind of in the middle of this as well. And there's a song on here that's actually inspired by pet sounds. But we also run into their uh to this new it's not a producer. What is it? Oh, engineer named uh, Jeff Emmerich, who basically is kind of like this guy who who they say, we want you to unwire this amp. We want you to rewire it up as a microphone, and we're going to make this into a, a new kind of sound. And he's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Because they've got tons of money. They've got lots of time. They're able to experiment with all this stuff. Uh, before the album comes out, they're able to release, uh, they release Paperback Writer and a song called Rain, which has some interesting backwards uh uh, sounds and actually some really interesting drumming if you want to listen to it sometime. I think people, yeah, people claim Rain is Ringo's best track, right? Yeah, I, I I didn't mind Ringo. I know Ringo gets a lot of shit for his drumming, but I thought there were a couple songs on here where I thought he was kind of playing an interesting stuff. I have to agree. Yeah, okay. I gotta agree. I've gave him shit on Sgt. Pepper, but I think it's good stuff. Apparently Ringo's big issue is that he's a left-handed drummer, but he's always played on right-handed kits. And so some of the things you have to do for fills and stuff are a little bit more difficult. 
But you do have to love Ringo's voice, and we'll get to it on Yellow Submarine. I just think he has the perfect voice for that, where he's, they're like, okay, we need somebody who can't sing a ton of notes, and the very first note has to be a little bit sharp. Who can we get to do that? And Ringo's like, right here, I'm happy to sing it. By the way, I'm going to be doing more Beatles <laughs> accents because it turns out I'm really good at it. They all sound the same. Twitter said yeah. all the Beatles had the same. Twitter was blowing speaking up. Voice. So I'm kind of curious before we get to the album. One thing I, w- I was watching this documentary about Lennon and McCartney, and I'm kind of curious. We haven't, we didn't talk about this really on Sgt. Pepper's, but where do you guys stand? At? My understanding is by this album, Lennon had taken acid and McCartney had not. Right. And right. and right. when I listen to it and what I've read, it feels like this is more of a McCartney album. So where do you guys kind of stand with the Lennon versus McCartney? What what resonates with you? Well, I, I don't have a ton of knowledge about like who wrote what song, but from what I can tell, every single song I enjoy, it seems like McCartney writes it. And then when I read about it, everybody's like, yeah, this is kind of a quaint little, you know, it's not that like deep, but it's kind of a fun song to sing along to. And all those seem to be little McCartney ones, whereas all the ones where I listen to it and I go... You know, is life even really worth living? And then it turns out that John Lennon wrote one of those. <laughs> I really was, a, I thought as a kid that I was a John Lennon guy. I mean, I loved Imagine, so just I loved that song so much. And so I really got into the John songs. But um, as I get older, I just, I don't find them pleasant to listen to. The sound just to me is just is too abrasive in a lot of cases. And I find myself much more of a McCartney guy. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think you're right, Rob, like there were like a lot of the sort of cutesy tunes because I think McCartney had sort of a vaudeville, you know, background in his family, but I actually think McCartney is a, a great musician and a, a great songwriter and was always had a prettier kind of output than Lennon did. So I find that as I get older, I'm more of a McCartney guy. Thank you, Aaron. I appreciate that, dude. <laughs> Worked hard on those songs, making pretty and such. That Ringo? Ringo? <laughs> uh, you know, I, I haven't fought. I mean, I, I don't have big takes on this. You know, to Aaron's point, I've I've found that the uh, the older I get and the more uh, worldly I get, I guess, and just kind of been around for a while, the less I like the... Um, the Lennon songs. He seems kind of snarky and kind of, mm-hmm. he's always trying to stick it to somebody or tell you how stupid you are or something like that. And so, you know, that's, it just kind of starts to wear on you a little bit if you're listening to too much of it for my book. I think Paul was, I mean, so even, I mean, when, like, for some reason, when I think of Paul, I think a lot of simply having a wonderful Christmas time, which like is a wild Christmas tune. And he like got stoned and, Went crazy on some synths and like came up with something magical. Russell, what's your what's your take? I think one of the best ways I heard it described when I was reading and listening was that almost all of Lennon's songs are these songs about either him or about the world. It's either him or, or such a big concept like peace or love. Whereas a lot of McCartney's songs are these songs that m- may be about himself, but he writes them in a way where everyone who listens to them thinks it might be about them, or it's kind of these little niches of society. It's not this huge world, or it's right. not just about himself. Like, oh, so I think people, it, a great example. It may resonate with more people because it's not this huge, overarching, big, hairy, audacious theme of society, or just about himself. It's kind of in the middle. So I think a lot of people might resonate with the McCartney songs because of that. 
Yeah, that's why I write them. I try to get everybody thinking, maybe me, that's me, the song. Man. <laughs> you know, Russ, next time, Russ, if you're like, guys, I have something smart I want to say about this, you can just say it. You don't have to ask us a question, and then we look like assholes <laughs> after you, like you have this great answer. Tripped on our dicks talking Damn garbage, it. and you came up with the best answer. God, it's very Lennon of you're you. So I have smart. to say, my overall take on this album, though, is that if they had all this time and money, like, why didn't they finish any of the damn song? Every single one of these songs, they just never finished. It's like, a, it's like what you talk about about Stephen King books around. Like, we didn't finish any of these songs. They just, yeah, they just kind of fade them out or they like... <laughs> just like, oh, they're two and a half minutes. Well, and and there's out. a couple songs on here that they mash together from two different songs and you can tell because all of a sudden they're yeah. in 4-4 four, four, and then they go to 3-4. Or like, the Beatles though, on this one especially, this is one where they, a lot of these songs start with the chorus, right? They're not building to a chorus. They start with the chorus and it's kind of jarring right. to hear that in, in a song. I think the biggest thing you have to know about this album, if I could sum it up in one sentence, Rubber Soul, 80 hours in the studio. Revolver, 230. So they're, they're, they're taking all this extra time mm-hmm. in the studio, and they said, we're never, and they never played any of these songs live, I believe. Uh, they also, a lot of uh, interesting things they did recording-wise, they, this was the, the first where they developed an automatic double tracking of the voice. So instead of having to sing the same song twice and double tracking their voice to make it sound fuller, they were actually able to just record it once and have two tracks of the same voice to, to give it that same sound. I think two short double tracks his vocals also on his first album. I'm pretty sure that's correct, Aaron. I'm yeah. pretty sure two short also double tracked. <laughs> You've got a good uh, history sure. with this, with, with these statements I, I that you make. So, I, yeah. I'm, we're going to check this out. I think two short albums are, uh, vocals are double tracked on Born to Math. I, I think, aren't most albums now? I mean, I, don't you think most vocals now are double tracked? Uh, probably, yeah. Like, I know all the drops I make, I double track my voice just to give it a little more beef. And plus, you can put effects on one and then not on the other, and it comes through. You guys, it's a lot of real technical engineering things that only Jeff Emmerich and I would understand. <laughs> um, and they also, the way they mic the drums, they put something into the bass drum, and they put the, they were like, we're going to put the microphones really close, and they were able to use this new thing called compression to make it so that it doesn't burn out the microphone. And so it, it totally changed how everybody records drums from here on out. And I think that's why part of this thing is with this album is it is kind of sharp on the ears, but I think cause it's just so sharp overall, like you can hear every little thing going on. It, it's pretty cool. Uh, and also this is kind of interesting. I, this is one where they really tried to avoid any ever talking about love on the whole album. They just didn't want to, they, they were like, we don't want to write any more songs about love. We want to write about other stuff. And Paperback Writer, which is a single before this, was an, was an example of that where they're like, can you write a song not about love? And he saw Ringo read, reading a book. And he's like, hmm, Paperback, Paperback Writer. Like the singles that got left off of this album and Sgt. Pepper, when you think about Paperback Writer and Rain yep. and Strawberry Fields and Penny Lane, like it's, it's wild. They had all these things that they never put on a LP. Well, you can see why that album they released before this, the 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 old ones and the new ones, like, yeah, why not? They got so many good Yeah, I don't think yesterday ever was released. on album, really. Maybe it is. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. All so, right. Man. So are we ready to get into this album? Here we go. Let's get into it. Let's talk get about it. Revolver. And it starts off, I got to say, again, you know, we, we've listened to some albums that do not have a great opening track. This one is another banger of an opener. One, two, a little bit of talking. Three. Hey, hey, guys, look at this cover art. It really sucks, but I don't want to do it again. I'm going to bitch about my taxes now. Well, this is, a, yeah, George Harrison wrote this song. Yeah, I, I got to agree that it's a banger. I hate this guitar song, but it's still a banger of a song. Oh, so good. And he, he was complaining about this during the song because apparently 
At this yeah. time, on the richest people in Britain, there was a 95% tax, so which would be a I bit of a honestly, bummer. Honestly, the most interesting thing about this song was I was like, I didn't really figure the Beatles would be the type of guys who were complaining about taxes. It just it's kind of startled me a little bit. And I, I spent at least an hour today researching taxes <laughs> in, in Britain at the time to see what they were actually paying. I oh, spent, wow. Wow. I got way more enjoyment out of researching the tax situation than I did listening to the song. I think the song's an awesome song, but this is not this is not one of the best opening songs on the albums we've listened to. I think it's pretty weak, actually. I agree. Oh, what the hell? Now I I feel like we're fighting again, guys. You hurt my feelings. Okay, fine. If Matt and I are on the if Matt and I are on the same Listen, on the same side, you guys got problems. I'm not talking about feelings on this right. podcast. I had to do it at work today. I'm going on the Facebook page. Hey, guys, I heard some people complaining about Tax Man as an opening song. <laughs> what about your dicks, huh? Well, but do you guys, do you guys, Aaron and Rob, does this jump out to you as one of the best opening songs on the albums we've listened to so far? No, no. Because no. you know I have no. a soft spot for Sgt. Pepper where they're yelling at me to listen to the album, and I'm like, okay, I will. And no, I mean, it's not, but no, like, it doesn't come close to Wouldn't It Be Nice yeah, or so much like better. Rolling Stone. And then Born in the USA. The and plus, you hear the the Beatles complain about taxes. You're kind of like, oh, okay, I guess. Like, well, to be fair, after over a certain income level, they did have to pay 98 percent of their money to the tax man. So I understand George Harrison's complaint. I guess, I guess we all come at taxes from a different perspective. But opening song for an album that's supposedly the third best album on the list, meh. I guess so. If I had an album, like I would start it with like. Why can you only find king size candy bars and gas stations anymore? Sometimes I just want a regular size candy bar. <laughs> Have you noticed that? Have you tried to buy a Is regular size candy bar at a gas I station? I did notice that a couple about it, a month ago. They're all king there. size now. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Matt and Aaron, what would your what would your opening song be about if you could just have your pet little your your niche thing that is important to you? What would your be opening song be about? Stop calling your kids buddy. They're not your buddy, you're their parent. <laughs> <laughs> That's some hardcore dad shit. Your parents. That's, some, that's some hardcore dad shit. Mine would be about um, slicing cherry tomatoes. <laughs> nice. Nice. When there's like a good slice of cherry tomatoes. Honey, yeah. can you make another Caprizi salad? God damn it. Gotta <laughs> <laughs> turn over the lid again. Jesus I Christ. Lids Jesus away. Wait, so do you have nicknames for your kids or are they just. You no, just you know, no. Here's, here's the problem. I used, no. I used to coach baseball, right? <laughs> They call him sir, and he calls them child one and yes. child two. And he has a whistle, a whistle. that he blows in different tones for the different kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yep. And they march in. Yep. Yep. And uh, no, so I, coach, I coached college baseball at our college for a long time, right? And from the beginning when I was coaching to the end, at the end, there was 22-year-old kids, and their moms were yelling for the stands. Uh, like, kid goes into pitch, come on, buddy, you can do it. And when you're yelling... Come on, buddy, to a 22-year-old who's playing college baseball. There's just something that's off-putting about it to me. And so, I don't know. Then you hear it all over the place. Yeah. Everybody's calling everybody buddy, and you're not their buddy. You're their parent. So I'm off my soapbox. Sorry. No, you, you stay on that soapbox. You deserve to tell people to knock that shit off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, man. You, you earned it. I asked, so it's good. Yeah. And I believe that's true for other parents. My kids are my best friends, though, so I, I think that's also <laughs> important. Uh, all right, so let's go. Next one. Eleanor Rigby, one of the few songs where there are no Beatles playing on it at all. No guitar, no nothing. 
Mark Martin arranged, arranged this on strings. Paul still plays it with acoustic stuff, but... I think this was my favorite song on the album. And I love this opening lyric about Eleanor Rigby picks up the rice in the church where the wedding has been, lives in a dream. And it's all about this loneliness of this person. Her job was literally to pick up the rice at the wedding. What a horrible job. (laughs) And she's wearing a face that she keeps in a jar by the door. Like, that is some lonely shit. Well, see, now that I can relate to. That is actually the one part I do relate (laughs) to. I can actually directly relate to this picking up the rice in the church. Like, I've never had to do that. That seems like a terrible job. But I was a groom, or not a groomsman, I believe an usher in Rob's wedding. That's like a that's like above groomsman for a lot of weddings, Russell. Just to let I you know. I was an usher at, at Rob's wedding probably, what, 15 years ago? 16. And we're there, and the wedding gets over, and everyone runs out to the limos to jump in the limos. We're going to drive downtown afterwards. And Rob's mom, I believe, comes up to me and essentially tells me, Hey, you need to go pick up all those statues that we put up out there. Like she treated me like the help kind of. It was 105 degrees. See, I don't remember any of this. Hmm. Yeah, you were having fun. I get I pick up all these statues and then I come running out and I barely make the limo and the limo is full, so I have to sit in the front fucking seat with the limo driver for a 45 minute drive downtown. <laughs> And so I literally, I'm literally sitting in the front, you know, where they have to put up the the screen or the window where you can't see in the back. So all my friends, all the bridesmaids that are back there that I'm going to try to talk to, and I don't get to sit by anyone. I'm sitting up by the front with the driver. And I remember looking at him and I'm like, can I at least drink up here? And he looks at me and kind of gives me the. He realized I am the lonely person, like in this Eleanor Rigby song. You're Eleanor Rigby. And he just he said, you do what you need to do, man. So I sat up there, but I never really thought about it. And then I listened to the lyrics of the song. And I'm like, man, I'm the lonely person who had to pick up the damn statues at Rob's wedding like this. Eleanor Rigby had to pick up the fucking rice. Yeah, we threw those away the next day. We didn't even want those statues. We just tossed them. We didn't even need them. I remember the back of the limo is a problem. I mean, the air conditioning was too—it was too cold in there. <laughs> Conversation, there was just too wild. You were laughing too much. Yeah. Hey, John, what about the change the song? Where it's about somebody pick, picking up statues. Uh, I, I, my Paul McCartney voice is going away pretty badly. Yeah, sounds oh, like no, Rick Rob. Rob. It's perfect. Like Rick. It's perfect. <laughs> Thanks everybody for the support. Keep it up, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, so that song's fun uh, and not depressing at all. And Russell, once again, thank you for picking up the statues. Yeah, because how are you supposed to have a wedding if I don't have statues of myself around? Where it's it's like, oh, here's here's me as a centaur. The nude statues, like the David Rob version, was probably not necessary, but it worked for your guys. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I'm like, hey, make it bigger. Okay, and that was the joke you thought I was going to make, and I made it. Oh, I'm so disappointed in myself. Okay, wait a minute. I'm going to come up with a different take of that joke. Three, make it smaller. Yes, I nailed it. Yes. Yes, I came through. Rob, yes, I am the best. All right. I'm only sleeping. This turns out to be my one of my favorite songs on the album, and I... I didn't know that I know this whole song, and then I was listening, and I know the whole song. I really love it. Uh, Lennon has a theme of singing about sleeping in a couple of albums, which maybe he was depressed. I don't know. Well, obviously he was, but this is a this is a song where they actually played it um, faster and they slowed it down for the album. 
They used a various speed on I didn't know that. Which they did on a couple. You're not supposed to do any research, Rob. You promise. No, I was told that by um by the limo driver. Because I was up actually in the front of the other limo <laughs> as well. <laughs> and he was like, hey, I'm a big expert on the Beatles. <laughs> and it's back. The voice is back big time. It's back. It's back. I do. I, I have to say that is one song where I've, when I, I usually get one of these songs stuck in my head. And that's the one where I've been humming the, the melody to myself over and over and over. I'm telling you, man, it's catchy. All right, love you too, T.O. You want to guess who wrote this song? I'll give you guys oh, one guess. <laughs> I do have to say, though, when the beat drops here, it's a banger. <laughs> Just get ready. Here it comes. This is a song that George Harrison has said is about... How he wants instant sexual gratification, and he feels like you shouldn't have to wait for carnal desires. I mean, I guess he and Eric Clapton could have had some discussions about that. Rob, we talked about the use of the sitar on the Sgt. Pepper's podcast, yep. but I believe this was only the second time that George Harrison had broke out the sitar and used the traditional Indian music for a song. This is the yep. first. And did you know... That everyone's favorite artist Beck has also used the sitar. <laughs> Rob, yes. If you could pull up nobody's fault but my own. Now, obviously, maybe Beck took some inspiration from the Beatles. I'm not saying he was the originator of using the sitar, and maybe it's a little different vibe and maybe a little different tempo from "Love to You." But if you could pull this up, Rob, let's just take a listen quick. Pretty similar so far. Almost sounds like a cover, actually. Beck might have done it better. I think you might be right, Russell. Beck did do this better. Hold on. I think there's an objective way to prove that, Rob. Oh, my God. Are we doing math? So Beck did this Beck did this song on his album Mutations, which won the best Grammy for Best Alternative Album in 2000. Now, unfortunately for the Beatles, they had to contend with other musical greats like Bob Newhart, and they did not win a Grammy for Revolver. Other than for the cover design. So I got to ask you guys, does Beck have a better sitar song on a Grammy-winning album than the Beatles? <laughs> yes. I mean, definitely has yes. to be yes, definitely right? There yes. can't be another. So Rob, well, who did it better? I mean, they did win They did win a Grammy for Sgt. Pepper's, right? That's after. No, but we're, t- we're, we're talking about Revolver here. Oh. They did not win a Grammy for this. So who did it better, Rob? Then Russ, I got to say... Beck did it better. Beck did it better. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nailed it, Russell. You nailed it. All right. Here, there, everywhere. It's just like where I had statues around my wedding. All right. That was a good joke. Better than I should get more credit for that one. That sounds like the beginning this, of Live and Let Die, which he eventually did for Blue yep. Wings, right? He claims the opening of this was inspired by God Only Knows. Not quite well, sure. Just, I don't hear that. It's interesting. Time, like this sound must have just been in his head for years because it sounds so much like Living My yep. Die to me. It's so corny and it's so good. I just can't stand it. It's just like sweet as sweet can be, and I love it. it is, now think about the songs we've had so far. Right, this is the fifth song on the album, so we've had like a legit, like pretty up tempo. Going hard, then probably the most depressing song of all time. Especially now, every time I listen to that, I'm going to be thinking about Russ running around getting statues while I'm in the limo. I like that it took 16 years for you to. It took 16 years for you to make that connection. I've I've only brought it up about every other time I've seen you, and never once got a damn apology. <laughs> you know the policy, Russ. 
Never apologize. <laughs> but I mean, there's so many varied, there's so many varied songs on this album, right? And, and they're all catchy and they're all good, but it's just like, it, it, it's such a, it's such a wild swing from song to song. And, and almost nowhere is that as apparent as to what is almost everyone's favorite Beatles song at one point in their life until somebody in makes fun of them for it. This song is not good. Why don't you like it, Aaron? It's a fun song. I know. I think I do think it's a fun song. I agree. Things are all I know. I like it. Like I sing it at home all the time. But then I was listening. I was like, I think this song is kind of bad. I don't have a, you know, solid ground to stand on when I say that. I just, I don't know. I think when I hear it in the context of the album, I'm like, well, you're there and everywhere. And she said, she said, a great song. I had an embarrassing moment with this song today, and maybe we can give a tip to all our listeners. So I, I was listening to headphones to this song, and for the first minute and a half of the song, I couldn't hear any of the lyrics. And I was like, what the hell? Did I get the wrong version or something? And then I made it about two more songs before I realized if I put my other headphone in, mm-hmm. I would get to hear everything. So yes. so just a tip for our listeners. If you're doing the headphone thing, you got to wear both of them. Well, on both this headphones. One. Well, and, and that's the thing about this album, right, is that it originally came out in mono. And basically what they had to do is they had a four-track recorder. So they would record everything, squish it all down to one track, record some more stuff, squish it all down to one track. And so you hear a lot of things of like, and again, there's a website you can go on and look for this, but you can hear conversations that they're having. You can hear a yawn. You can hear a chair scrape. And 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 you couldn't get rid of anything once you put it into the mix. Like you couldn't change anything. And then all of a sudden they remastered and it comes out with stereo. And you're able to hear all these tracks. But God, they went hardcore with the stereo, didn't they? Like they were putting... It's like two tracks to one ear, two tracks to the other ear. It's like, I don't, I don't need everything floating around in my head. Talk about yellow submarines. We can just put some shit in the middle, right? Does everything need to be stereo? Like, does that, is that, I don't know. If, if, if you don't wear your right headphone on yellow submarine, you will get no lyrics until the final 20 seconds. <laughs> just it. a warning for the people out there. If you're really let down by yellow submarine, it might not be because Aaron thinks it's a uh, boring or lazy song. It might be because you just don't know how to wear headphones correctly. <laughs> She said, she said. So I have a confession to make about this song. We talked about our history uh, with the album. I thought this was a Black Keys song, and it turns out that Black Keys did a cover of it, which is a great cover. But uh, I didn't know it was a Beatles song when I first heard the Black Keys do it. So it's a big hole in my Beatles knowledge. This is a song where they got in a huge fight beforehand, and Paul McCartney is nowhere to be found. Hey, guess what? nowhere on this song i'm gone i walked out of the studio and they it's actually george harrison on the base of that so oh wow i didn't know that that's fascinating did you research that uh no the limo driver again told me that he's like hey guess what interesting beetle news mostly about revolver uh so good day sunshine here's a hot poppy one i love this opening i don't know what that sound comes from yeah, it must be, but there's something about the way they recorded it. Yeah. It's Paul on the piano, so too. We, when they're recording this song, does John Lennon just want to vomit? Or how does he handle a song like this where clearly it probably doesn't relate to it at all? I think he probably walks in and says something snarky, right? And then, I, like, goes and gets high or whatever? I don't know. I think he helps with the, he helps the lyrics and stuff. He helps kind of pull it together. 
Who knows? I mean, that's kind of the bummer, right? Is that these guys, they, they probably are the best songwriting team ever. And they lasted like six years together, seven years together. And then like right. just hated each other forever. I mean, don't you think that, don't you think that that's almost about as long as you could last? Like these guys are amazing songwriters in their own right. And can you imagine if you're John Lennon and you realize at some point McCartney's kind of leading the band, it would be, it would be very difficult to just kind of follow his creative direction the whole way. Wouldn't it? I, I think at some point there's a switch, right? Where they go from like, I want to be a famous musician too. I'm sick of the shit we're making. I want to make something I think is real art. And when you have mm-hmm. four different people trying to do that at one time, you're going to go off in different directions. But which you hear on the way though, for sure. I maybe that maybe it was just too much too soon. Like maybe if they would have spaced it out, they wouldn't have. I, but but what I don't get is how can you have four musicians like this, right? And they're so good when they're together, and then all of a sudden when they split up. Like, yeah, there's some songs here and there that I enjoy, but they don't have any of the success that the Beatles had. I mean, even I don't know when, when we split up and I have my solo podcast, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's going to flourish. <laughs> that thing's going to be a banger. It's a lot. I mean, there's a lot of bands like that. We'll talk about it when we get to it, but you know, Slash and uh, Axl Rose. Yeah. You know, those two together, mm-hmm. it was awesome. And then you split them up and they've Slash had a little bit of success, but Axl Rose had none. From what I can tell. So I don't know. I think there's a lot of them like that where it just happens to click at the right time. All right. And your bird can sing. Double guitar lead. One of the first double guitars that you're going to hear. And it influences a lot of stuff from here on out. Like Metallica. fucking love the drive-by truckers i love drive-by truckers that was a band i got so into which like they were doing the double guitar stuff but i'm not not so into this song i do i do have to say i mean i think uh i think paul's solo stuff deserves a list like ram is a great album uh, i think there's stuff out there you should take going back to the previous yeah but shouldn't it be like the best like he wrote some of the best Beatles stuff so shouldn't his later songs also be like unbelievably good like, why can I name like ten Beatles songs, and I can name like two Paul McCartney on his own songs? Name two. Uh, I'm going to go two, with uh, that one where it's where he's talking about. It's not Benny and the Jets, but it's like. And then, 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 suffering jet. And then uh, I'll give you credit for that one. Name a second one. And then a second <laughs> McCartney on his own song. It's gonna let you hang here. Oh no, I got it. Um, I did the one where it says a sergeant is a lady. Ah, uh, shit! I should know another wing song. No, we can we can let this drag out. I'll edit this podcast. We'll let it drag <laughs> out for a little bit, Rob. That's fine. God damn it! We're, we got time. Oh, uh, how about this? Uh, the girl is mine. Mine, mine. The girl is mine. Mine, Did you write that one? The girl is mine. Hey, Michael. The girl is mine. No, it's not, Paul. The girl is mine. Oh, I don't think so, Michael. This girl is mine. Mine, mine. The girl is mine. Okay. Paul, I think I told you. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <sighs> I've heard it all before, Michael. She told me that I'm her forever lover, you know. Don't you remember? Song that Russ and I could write in an afternoon if we really had to. I do want to hear whatever songs you guys. Band, band on the run, or man, man on the run, band on the run, whatever. It's. Band on the that's run. The, yeah, 
That's the big one. Speaking of sad, lonely songs, this one is a, I mean, for no one, it's just like, It's so catchy, though. This is probably my favorite. It's so good. Listen to the the last song. She wakes up, she makes up, she takes her time, doesn't feel she has to hurry. But you really can tell, like, pretty distinctly who wrote what, can't you? Yeah. So, Matt, do you get a different vibe when you listen to this song versus when we listen to Sgt. Pepper's? No, I mean, it's, it, it's kind of a a day in the life. It's, I mean, you know, it, it sounds like some other songs that they do. Um, I just think mm-hmm. it's more of the piano and the softer rhythm and softer tune, tone. And uh, so, I don't know. That's probably what I, probably what I uh, go towards on these albums more than the Russ, quirky ones. Russ, can you hear them? Can you hear them building towards Sgt. Peppers in this album? Like, can you catch some of the things that they're going to be pulling off big time on their next one? I think this is where my original Beck did it better thing came from, is that when you listen to the first four or five Beatles albums, then Rubber Soul, I think, is probably a departure. But all of a sudden, there's these songs that are a little bit different, a little bit more unique than the typical kind of boy band initial songs that the Beatles had. So I think you can kind of see a progression here, but... I think you can hear the progression in the instrumentation, in the orchestration, in this whole album. I mean, like track two, you hear a string song, right? So you definitely hear them thinking like, okay, mm-hmm. rock music isn't just guitar, bass, and drums and vocals, right? It's or two guitars, bass, and drums. They're they're thinking differently. So I I think you can hear it. I I do think you need to to take this album and and listen to um, the Beach Boys, listen to Pet Sounds, and then listen to this one. It's only four months later. But it sounds so much more advanced, like instrumentation wise and like recording wise. Like I, I know that that's the research impacting how I listen to it, but it sounds so different and unique. Every song sounds so interesting. Whereas the Beach Boys, there's a lot of songs on that album you could play and I wouldn't be able to tell you the difference between them. You know what I mean? I'm kind of curious for you guys. Is this one of the one of the first times where you kind of realized there was this competition between the Beach Boys and the Beatles kind of going through this quest? Like I, I always think of athletes are very competitive, but I've never really realized there's this competition between musicians or between bands. And you listen to these, you kind of go back to back to back with these three albums and they're kind of sitting right in between each other. And it's, it's interesting kind of hearing how they influence each other. All right. Dr. Robert, Ooh, one I can relate to finally. <laughs> so this is a song. Just think, Rob, if you would have if you would have done about another eight years of college, you could have been. We could be calling you Doctor Robert. Robert. This song could be about you. I'd want to be one of those doctors that's way into feet. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. Yeah, I know I'm at the beach. Yeah, I'm taking pictures of your feet. I am a doctor. Okay. Feet doctors need their respect too, just like a lot of doctors do, right? Oh. I was actually started thinking. Is this one of the greatest songs about a doctor? All right, here we go. And so no I way. thought I would give you guys a few options to see if we could Let's come up it. with the greatest song ever about doctors. This, by the way, is All the right, next sting. It. I'm going to put in a sting right here. And it's going to be something like, what should it say? This is another. Oh, yeah. How about this? Count them down with Russell. Oh, yeah. It's time for. <laughs> it's time for Russell's checklist. Oh, yeah. Like I that. think Russell's going to come up with something better than Dr. Robert. Russell's final countdown. And we're not, we're not ripping off any copyrights <laughs> with this one. Dun, dun, it's the dun, final dun. countdown. <laughs> Such a good idea. All right. 
The first song about a doctor. Let's see if you guys appreciate this one. How about the Rolling Stones, Dear Doctor? Oh, help me, please, doctor. I'm damaged. Who'd they steal this from? Oh. I can't wait for our first Rolling Stones pod where I will say, Matt just gets to unleash the beast. I, I do love the Rolling Stones, but this song. Goodbye. All right, fair enough. Goodbye. Yeah. The next one we're going to go to is song. Jackson Brown, Doctor My Eyes. Rob, if you could jump forward about 30 seconds, we can get to the. Nailed it. Matt. Rosie, does this oh, one this rank is out high, there? Yeah, Jackson Brown. I mean, it's good. It's definitely good. It's a, it's a catchy tune. Yeah. I like this one. But, but sometimes we got to get beyond the Foot Doctors <laughs> and the Rolling Stone Doctors. We got to talk about a witch doctor, don't we? I mean, yeah, we got to give go beyond Western medicine. David Seville, the Witch Doctor. I would listen to this song sad. over the Jackson Brown song a hundred times. I would listen to this a hundred times before I had to listen to that Jackson Brown song again. Oh, Russ, this is a classic. You're gonna have to do I mean, this is a banger song about doctors. If 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 Dr. Rob was actually Dr. Robert, oh. he would walk in and this would be his entrance music for every surgery. So good. This would give me complete faith that I was in good hands. Like if that was a song I played after I graduated from medical school. Yes. <laughs> the next song, and I don't even know if they have an album on the top 500, but it's Kiss. Yeah, they do. Let's go calling Dr. Love. Rob, if you want to jump about 30 seconds in. I mean, there's cowbell already, so you can't. Kiss songs are always so weird because they're so hard and heavy but at the same time they're so slow like shouldn't the song be like 30 percent faster yeah i agree with that that's a good point i mean i was just enjoying the cowbell at the beginning so we've got we've got feet doctors we've got doctors for your eyes which i don't know what those are called an optometrist or something i think that's right yeah we got the witch doctor we got the doctor of love we also just need a regular doctor. When I need a doctor, I need to call Dr. Dre, Eminem, and Skylar Gray. I need a doctor. <laughs> Rob, if you want to jump forward about a minute 30 for this one. Yeah, this is going to be a, yeah, this one, this one's a ripper right here. This has that kind of Lincoln Park feel to it. You know, and it was like every, and uh, Evanescence. Was Skylar Gray and Evanescence? I've never heard of any of these people except for Dr. J. I just like, I never feel whiter than when Eminem's voice makes me feel fired up. Like there's <laughs> nothing whiter than Eminem's voice come on and I just feel stoked. I just, that's the whitest thing in my life. Well, if you didn't feel white enough there, these top two will definitely get you there. Aaron. <laughs> the next one in second place on my list, Matt, let's see what you think of this one. How about Motley Crue? Dr. Feelgood. Rob, if you want to jump about a minute in. This, Man, this, this is, is my head right here. This is what I thought of. It is so hard. <laughs> See, now this is an appropriate speed for a song. Yes. There's only one more option that it could potentially be for you guys to choose from. Because remember... The only thing you have to choose from is what I give you. And, oh, I've got a song to add on there too, Russell. <laughs> All oh. right. So 
We'll do my last I, one. I've got we'll ten do songs Rob's. about doctors, but that's it. Okay, just ten. <laughs> <laughs> the last one on the list is how about Robert Palmer? Bad case of loving you. Ooh, Parentheses, wow. doctor, doctor. This is a real stretch to be doctor, on this list. Doctor, give oh, me the you wait for thirty-five seconds in, Rob. That's. I mean, here we go. This rocks a little bit harder than I remember. Well, I think Robert Palmer. He, he's got the idea of like just give him a beat. The heart of rock and roll is still beating. Here we go, Rob. Check this out. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a God damn it. That is clearly about a doctor. This is that's the song I'm going to be singing all day tomorrow. Jesus, Russ, yeah, you did it to that's me that's again. a great moment. You're going to sing that all the way to New York, Rob. Oof, all right, good. Rob. Let's hear what your entrance music doctor, would be into, the, into the, the waiting room. Look at what my would it beat. Be? Uh, all right, let's see. This is a song I just. The, this is Doctor Worm by They Might Be Giants. It's all about a worm who learns how to play the drums. <laughs> Listen, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> what is happening? Have you never heard this song? No, uh, no. <laughs> is this Weird Al? <laughs> no, this is They Might Be. This is They Might Be Giants. Oh. This is if you want to go to a show and not have to deal with any women. This is a great show to go to. <laughs> That and Tool, those two bands. <laughs> I think I have heard this song. Yeah, I, think I, I can clearly see Rob walking into the the operating room with something hanging out of his 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 lab coat that shouldn't be out there, and people are calling him Doctor Worm. So Matt, Aaron, Rob, what are your favorite songs about doctors? I'm telling What's you, the my name one? tag would have a big picture of some feet on there, and it would say Doctor Feelgood. It's the perfect, it's the perfect song. I, I, I gotta go. Yeah, Doctor Feelgood's gotta be mine. I was, I was hoping that the the, the Spin Doctors, Two Princes, was coming up. <laughs> Ooh, because that is Dang, a that's such a good song too. Early nineties. Yeah, but I, I, I would go Doctor Feelgood as well. Doctor Feelgood is a great answer. Unfortunately, it's incorrect in this scenario <laughs> because the correct answer is Weird Al, like a surgeon. Oh wait! wait. Again, it doesn't have doctor in the title. (laughs) He's a surgeon. It's a doctor. Rob, it's your wife a doctor. A surgeon qualifies as a doctor. Yeah, I guess. He went off the board again. I can't believe it. Sometimes you gotta go off the board. He gets us every time. You, you, I can't believe you'd go off the board to make a joke, Russell. I would never do that. I never, never thought coming. I think we need to discuss. I know we're discussing the Beatles, which is the greatest band ever, but Weird Al, not on the top 500. What do you guys think of that? Absolutely outrageous. Huge part of my childhood. A big reason I got into songs, period, is I would hear the parody first, and then I would be like, oh, this is a... Like a lot of the Rolling Stones. He did a polka with all the Rolling Stones songs. All over the stage. Would it satisfy you? Would it slide on by you? Would you think the boy is strange? Ain't it strange? If I could win... It's not just a weird alpaca like that. And again, Aaron was trying to not listen to the Beatles and you know, he was so attractive. I was stuck listening to weird Al. So this tells you a lot about my life. So Dr. Robert was actually about a guy in New York who was selling drugs to a doctor who was giving out drugs to a bunch of celebrities. All right. I want to tell you. Is this a blue oyster cult? Guitar lick. This is so good. Every one of I, I like the bass there, yeah. It's good, but I don't need to listen to it anymore. No. This one, this, this next one. one, I gotta say, is one of my favorite songs when I found out that it is about Paul McCartney and weed. 
I think that's interesting too because it also sounds like a Chicago song to me, and I know you love Chicago. It's true. It it, it does sound like what Chicago would be coming out with with all these horns. But this guy likes weed so much, he's like singing a love song to it. It's so that's great. great. It's like him and Snoop. Yeah, exactly. Wikipedia says he uh, wrote it after seeing Stevie Wonder perform. That's probably why I don't like the song very much. <laughs> oh, 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 wow. Oh, oh. Well, it's been a couple oh. episodes since we had a Stevie Wonder argument. So, <laughs> If there was a song, Russell, that you had to sing, something that you had to sing, I gotta get you into my life. What would that, what would that be, do you think, Russell? Oh, it's got to be more carbs, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like pizza, spaghetti, bagels, everything. Got, I got to get you into my life. It's just Russell in a bag of fries and an air fryer at home. And he's like, I got to get you into my life. <laughs> what about you, Rosie? What do you got to get into your life? What do I got to get, get into my life? I got to get, jeez, uh, you put me on the spot. I'm no, gonna and I'm not editing any of this out. I'm going to make a joke here that you cannot edit out. It's about time Aaron looks like an idiot in this yes. podcast. What are you going to put into your life, Aaron? More sleep into my life I got oh my god <laughs> correct answer is feet I, I was thinking about a skateboard you guys caught me I was googling to see if TV Wonder ever covered this but I, it doesn't believe that it doesn't appear that he did so I, doesn't have the skill to do it is that why doing research doing research during the podcast that's like a double whammy that's I don't want to get egg on my face again like I did with Tribe Called Quest you're in Beck did a better jail and asking, trying to get another apology. That's third strike. I kind of like Aaron's apology corner where he's got to apologize for knowing nothing about <laughs> music. What a dumb shit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Matt, what do you got to get into your life? Uh, I got to get a new bike, I guess. I don't know. I know this is a tough one. <laughs> I'm going to cop out on this answer. <laughs> Rob, so just, what do you got? Rob's got something good coming up. Rob, what do you got to get into your life? Oh, you know what? I can't wait. I actually am going back to New York. I cannot wait to eat a poke bowl. Oh. It's the one thing I Ooh, cannot get yeah. in Minnesota that I just, I love it so much. I got to get a poke bowl into my life. <laughs> that would be a great music video of oh. Rob singing, got to get this poke bowl oh. into my life. And he's just like wandering through New York, looking for the one spot that's open. Send it to weird. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, I yes. want it. So I want it right now. All right, last final song. Tomorrow never knows. What do we think? I like this song. I don't know why, but I like it. I think it's cool. Yeah. Matt, we generally agree on all music, but this is the one time we may oh, yeah. disagree for the first time. <laughs> but first time yet. But like of all the songs, this sounds like a Beck song more than any of them to me. It does. It does. This is the one where I don't where John Lennon famously told the engineer. I want to sound like a thousand Dalai Lama standing up on a mountainside. And they ran a... Is this they, the one where he was like, can you attach the microphone to my vocal cords or something? Yeah. Or was that across the universe? And, and, and he, he, yeah. did, he did something where he had a speaker that would spin in the case. It was used for organs. And this is what he used on his voice. And, and you start to see the backwards tracking. And you start to see, like, this is where you really start to see the, the... I think these last three, really, are where you start to see this kind of psychedelic Beatles. Now, the, this right. one especially. I shouldn't say the last three. Got to get you into my life is hardly psychedelic. I don't find it that pleasant to listen to, but I, I think it's awesome. I'm sure there's a lot of skill that goes into this, but if there's ever a part of me that thinks, oh, this is what a bad sixth grade band sounds like, 
then, and then I don't know if it should be a song on one of the top five albums ever, right? Hey, Russell, come on now, man. I thought we were getting along so well. What's going on, man? It's me, but I, your I, buddy, I, I Paul. Do, I, I do get what Matt says. The more I listen to it, I kind of get a different appreciation for it. And the more you read about it, I get an appreciation for it. But the first time I listened to it, admittedly, I thought, I don't understand the music. I don't understand why it's ranked this high. I think it's, I don't, I don't feel that way about this song, Russell, but I think that brings us back to uh, the points about, uh, we might've talked about it in Sergeant Pepper where like, Oh no, no, no. We talked about it uh, with um, Yellowbrook road. Like if there's a clunker of a song, do you, throw out the whole album and Matt, I think you said no, but if there's two, you throw it out. And like, I think there's at least two absolute dog shit moments on this album. <laughs> so like, I don't know. Oh, come on, I, man. I, you I too, Aaron. Give, oh. I don't want to give away my final rating, but like, I think there's some thoughts on here that are terrible. So I don't know. Oh man. I can't believe there's two dog shit moments on my album. Oh. <laughs> Bollocks. And that, Wouldn't it be rah, awesome if we could bollocks. listen to the Beatles analyze our podcast and be like, "Yeah, that that episode on Yellow Brick Road was a real piece of shit." <laughs> like, wouldn't it be great oh, no. to hear them analyze what we do? Because like, be, we literally, if, I'm assuming that in 50 years, right, somebody's going to make a podcast where they listen to every episode of this and then go through and talk about what they thought of our podcast episode. It's very meta, guys. It's going to get great. Sure, going to happen. All right, real quick, we're going to do a rating, and I just have a quick, it's not a game, but I have a quick conversation for afterwards. So our final rating system, and I don't need to tell you guys this because it's so well known. Everybody's using the hashtag, so let's get it out there. All Follow us Twitter. on Twitter at Beck Did It Better, I think, and at Gmail, Beck Did It Better, at gmail.com, I think. Uh, so the final rating system, <laughs> the final rating system is rolling. I mean, at some point, guys, we got to actually release these, right? So people need to hear them. So yeah, I suppose we, we should try to interact with other people. It's not just us looking, you know, emailing feet pictures to each other. Uh, all right. So <laughs> the final rating system is. That was my weakness. <laughs> hey, turn off that chainsaw. Look at these feet. <laughs> just got an iPad full of feet. All right. Rolling well toned. That means you think it's right where it should be on the list. Is this album, did it get rolling boned? Meaning it's too low. It should have been up higher. Or is it a rolling groan? Do you think it's too high up on the list? Uh, and Matt, I'll start with you. What do you think? Well, I for, I kind of forgot where I had the um, pet sounds. Like I don't know if I can compare it to that because I don't remember where my rating was for the pet sounds. And so, mm, um, definitely in the past. Yeah. Uh, no, this is this is uh, this is too high in the list. What is that one? Hashtag rolling groan. No, oh my God! Everybody knows that that's hashtag Everyone rolling knows, grown. Matt. It's rolling grown. Yeah, so it's, yeah. people are talking. Yeah. And when about we say it. too high, that means it should be a higher number. It's too low of a number. But because our list is one on top and five hundred on the bottom, it's too high. So you know, and all that makes sense. Like I don't have to explain that to you guys. Right. That's easy. Right. Yeah. Hashtag rolling grown. Twitter, check it out. Um, <laughs> 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 no, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's probably. A situation where we weren't around, I wasn't around. I think I don't think you guys were there in the situ in the when this came out to kind of know the how cool and hip and now it was. But you know, from all of the other albums out there, this is to have this as number three is it's a little too high for me. All right, Aaron, what do you think? Uh, yeah, Rolling Grown. They didn't finish a lot of these songs, so I got to go Rolling Grown. I, I want. I do want to go back real quick. I, I have to say, side two of the album is. Eight is 16 minutes and 28 seconds. 
Side one is 18 minutes long. Like this album, you can literally like watch this faster than you can watch most television shows. You can listen to this album. I do appreciate that. I like that. Yeah, about but it. this like one the come term, out like the brevity. like right now, right? I mean, they did essentially three albums in like 16 months between Rubber Soul, this one, and then uh, Sergeant Pepper's, right? And nobody does yeah. nobody does that now. So, I mean, it's kind of hard to again might be the timing of it all. So I don't know. It's hard to knock them for that. So Matt likes bands that put out lots of music and not just good music. Well, that's interesting, Matt. Uh, all right. <laughs> Russ, what do you think? Was this, and again, I don't need to explain it, but Rolling Well-Toned, Rolling Boned, or is this a Rolling Groan for you? Oh, I think you need to explain it. The people need to continue to hear about this amazing, amazing system you put together, well Toned means it should Science. be at number three. Rolling Boned means that it's too low on the list. It should be one or two. Rolling Groan means it should be below the three spot. Oh, it makes complete sense to me. So to me, it's a combination of it's a combination of Rolling Groan. I think it's too high on the list. I wouldn't put this as the second best Beatles album. And just by doing that calculation, it shouldn't be this high on the list. But I'm also going to say it was also not to steal a Rob's thunder, but it was a Rolling. Too early, I came home. I was out on the out on the town tonight, and I came home to record this podcast. And when we're listening to the songs, it does it doesn't warrant me coming home on a Friday night. It's too high on the list. You gotta get so back rolling grown and rolling too early. I came home. Get him back out there, Russell. If you ever want to open up your phone on the date and record an episode, we will do that. Okay, we will make an exception. <laughs> Put the zoom on. Okay. Yep. And we're not going to make we're her put her feet you. up to the camera. Don't worry about that. <laughs> All right. I'll just be like, oh, hey, you're Russell's date. Has he looked at your feet yet? And I'll just say that and then not say anything else. So she's going to be like, wait a minute, is this guy, this is Dr. Rob, Dr. Russell I've been hearing about? I can't wait. I can't wait till the next, uh, the next podcast when Rob says, God damn it, I spent too much time talking about feet on that last <laughs> Last podcast. I got to edit that stuff out. Yeah. So. Guys, I make your feet go. This is the first time I've talked about feet in an appropriate amount. All right. It's a rolling well-toned foot episode. I will say I I I I like I like this album better more than I like Pet Sounds. I got to say it. Um, but I am going to give it a rolling ohm, okay? And a rolling ohm, of course, is a unit of resistance in an electrical circuit. And to make all these cool effects, they had to have a knowledge of circuits. So you need to give this a rolling ohm. It's the only correct answer. Hashtag wow. rolling ohm. I thought it was going to be a rolling ohm, like a transcendental meditation rolling ohm. But it was, it was OHM. I'm terrified that my Twitter feed tomorrow morning is just going to be filled with hashtag rolling ohms. <laughs> All right, real quick. Marry F. Kill, the first three albums. You have to marry one of the albums, you have to F one of it, and you have to kill one of it. Very creative on my part. Definitely took a lot of time coming up with this. We've got Sgt. Peppers, we've got Pet Sounds, and we've got Oof. Revolver. Okay, I'm going to go first. I'll tell you what. I'm going to I'm going to F this one. I think it's kind of a fun, kind of chunky, like all over the place. I'm going to marry Sergeant Pepper and I'm going to get rid of Pet Sounds. Okay, even though God Only Knows is the best song on the entire list, period, bar none, got to let it go. What do you guys think, Matt? I will marry Sergeant Pepper. I will, uh, what are we, effing? Is that what we're saying? I'm effing Pet Sounds and I am killing this one. And the F stands for feet, by the way. So, yeah. Aaron, what do you think? <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna marry Pet Sounds. Uh, I will f this one because it's uh, it's short and that that fits my schedule. And uh, I'll get rid of Sergeant Peppers. 
I like that you're so busy. <laughs> oh, I don't have time. I didn't. I, that was. I, I don't think I made the joke correctly, but you get Sweetie, it. Sweetie, <laughs> I'm on whosampledwhat.com. I don't have time to sleep with you right now. <laughs> God. I got it wrong. I got to be prepared. These guys are roasting me because I said Herp Alpert was on every single goddamn album, and it turns out he's not. Can't you see I'm researching Herb Albert? <laughs> Every time you want to make love, it takes hours. Please. What's wrong with you? I'm not Sting. Please, come on. Show some respect. You should be more like Revolver. <laughs> she just shows up. The next day, she's wearing a mask that has the drawings of them from the cover. I'm like, I can't because I don't like the album. <laughs> yeah, Aaron, do you love me now? I'm Ringo from the album cover. Huh? Oh, I'm sorry. Did my three-year-old draw this? No, actually, this was professional album art, the Beatles ad. What a Grammy. Ugliest fucking thing. Jesus Christ. I mean, when, if you're the Beatles and you saw that and you're putting in 230 hours in the studio and you see that album cover, you got to be like, wait, what? Like, did you put two hours into this? Like, what is going on? This sucks. Russ, Mary F. Kill the albums. Well... Because I respect the fair sex so much, I don't play Mary F. Kill. I play Dude Dumper Mary, Rob. Dude. Dude. Wait, Dude Dumper Mary? Do oh. Dump or Mary. Okay. So I'm gonna marry Pet Sounds. It's it deserves to be number one on yes, the list. Agree. I am going to do. Wait, did I say what, what, what did I say? <laughs> Do what am I going to do? In 2020. Am I doing pet sounds or marrying pet <laughs> sounds? <laughs> You're married. You're married. No, there's sounds. no way I could live with pet sounds my whole life. It's so depressing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do pet sounds. I feel like it would be fun for one night. But there's no, I would just ghost them after it. I would never, I would never talk to that album again after. All right. So I'm going to marry Sergeant Peppers. I'm going to do pet sounds and I'm going to dump this one. Russ, the joke's on you because marriage is a lot like the album Pet Sounds. <laughs> every once in a while, it's God only knows what it'd be without you. And then every once in a while, it's the title track of Pet Sounds and you just got to deal with it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Not my marriage. My marriage is all that first song from Sergeant Pepper yelling at me to listen. All right. I'm going to tell you a story from work and it's going to be about a half hour long and you're going to listen to the whole goddamn thing and I'm going to get mad if you don't. All that wife swapping helps right. too, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, why wasn't wife swap one of these? We couldn't have wife swapped in a Bob Dylan yeah. album somewhere there, right? I will say, you know, because, you know, I've got this list and we went from this this album right into Highway 61's and it, how do you feel? And it's just, I can't wait to do the next album because that, that Bob Dylan album is just phenomenal. We should have wife swapped that one in. <laughs> Okay, I don't. We can't use wife swap as a verb for everything. <laughs> that seems wrong. <laughs> we can't say like do dump and then be like, yeah, we should, we should swap wives. <laughs> do dump or swap. Rosie's already texting me three pictures of feet. You know, I, that's not. I don't need that during the, during the pot. You know, oh, I'm researching CV Wonder stuff. Yeah, right. Ding. Oh, here's another one. That's a real sound effect I just made, by the way. Ding. All right, next album, Highway 61 Revisited with. Bob Dylan. Oh my God, a new band. We're going to lose our minds. When you want to hear about the greatest albums of all time, but you're just too lazy to look it up online. If you want to hear four guys who chat and then they get off track, I've got the perfect podcast for you, Jack. Back. 
did it better. We we could easily get a sixth grade band to play that version of the song, and it would be a better finish than that. Tomorrow never knows. Oh, honey, I was just listening to my favorite new podcast, and they were so mean to me. Oh man! All right, we can't all make the jokes for the end of the podcast. It's got to end sometime.